Hello, everybody. I don't know what this is, but I'm doing it with my voice. That's fine. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being here with us for another episode of Monogamish Pod. Um, this So last week we talked about aromanticism and polyamory, and this week we're talking about asexuality and polyamory which is also another interesting sort of topic that we want to put out there in the world we talked to intimacy who is a great friend of the podcast and um i mean i don't really want to give you like a big bio about intimacy whatever bio i got i'm going to include in the show notes but what i can tell you is intimacy is open to connections so if you guys want to slide into Intimacy's DMs, that is totally 100% okay. And it's until... It's be covered on the show. Yeah, it's definitely going to be covered on the show. Like, we, we talk a lot about that. And the other thing that I want to kind of bring up is the fact that Alt Playground, you know, our sponsor, they have even more sexy folks joining the site in a brand spanking new merger. Oh yeah, I'm over here doing the, you know, those dancing things. That, whatever the Zoomers are doing these days, I'm doing the dancing. Oh, I'm having a good time. Oh, oh. yeah. Is this like, your, your yeah. silent TikTok? What's happening over there? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know what's happening over here. I'm just doing some things. I'm super excited that even more people are joining the Alt Playground family, and that Swinger Safari is now a part of AltPlayground.net. Meaning, shout out once, to all our swingers, right? Like, bring it out, the crowds for the swinger, applause, all that stuff. But, like, once again, many new Namanagos people from across the country are joining this ever growing lifestyle community. We are all super, super excited to bring the swinger safari family into altplayground.net. And hopefully have a lot more people in our community. We have, I think, what, like 60 people in our community last I checked. We're working on it. Yeah, yeah. We're growing that stuff. You know, I'm posting my if you know, yeah, special content. And if you're a so. swinger who wants to, to join Alt Playground, you now you have a reason. Look at that. They're just like a, a whole community of swingers, swingers just jump right in. And if you're on Swinger <laughs> Safari, now you have yeah. access to even more swingers that you can like join in. And, of course, other people, other lifestyles. You know, go out there, mix and match, find some new yeah. people. We're out here mixing and matching, doing our thing. So you want to be a part and of join the our growth. community. Exactly. Be a part of the growth in the front of allplayground.net today. Join our community. Like I said, grow, help us grow this shit. Like, help us do what we're doing. All Playground is the best lifestyle, you know, website out there today. We want you to be a part of it. You want to be a part of it. So check everyone out at allplayground.net today. Sign up. You can click yep. the link in our show notes, and you can be a part of the AltPlayground.net family. Holla! I don't know what that holla was. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. But it's all good. It's all good. So, I'm Jen. Oh, I'm Sham. And... and we're we're monogamous. Monogamous. I feel like we did that right. Uh, I, I think we've been started good and then we lost it in the end. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to do that.
we're back. I mean, why don't you guys listen to this interview conversation thing with intimacy? It's amazing. It's going to be super fun for you guys. We will put all the links to intimacy's stuff in the show notes. Those are some definitions for terms that we used in this episode that will be there. And one final thing, there is a content warning. Intimacy and I do discuss sexual assault. And so we will put the exact times in the show notes so you guys can know what parts of the episode to skip. But just want to put it out there so you guys are not surprised when it pops in because some people cannot deal with that. I, too, cannot deal with that unexpectedly. So if that that matters to you, we will definitely, except we'll have the detailed times in the show notes as much as we possibly can. We want you guys to enjoy this conversation as much as you can. I don't feel like I'm saying can a lot. But mm. I I just want everyone to understand that these conversations are necessary. So the conversations that intimacy and us have are very necessary to understand how people are living and loving in the world and the things that we face. And I, the reason why I did, because I, I could have cut this out, and I decided not to because I thought it was very necessary. And we were just very real and open. Yeah, sometimes it's good to have the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, so so that's why we did it. That's why we have it in there still. And like I said, the details of that will be in the show notes where you can cut and skip forward past that point. Um, We will have two sets of timestamps in there. So it will be the timestamp with the anchor ad and then also the timestamp for our SoundCloud listeners who may not have the anchor ad in their upload. So both will be there. We will be good. I uh, just want to get that out there. And uh, well, you want to hear what intimacy has to say anyway about asexuality and polyamory. So take it away. On today's episode of Monogamish Pod, we have Intimacy. I was going to say another illustrious guest, but I feel like Intimacy is another step above illustrious somehow. Yeah, I mean, listen, with a name like Intimacy, what do we really got going on here? So I think we've really tried to bring different perspectives in polyamory to the podcast. So last week we talked to Vanilla about being aromantic, and this week we're talking to Intimacy about being asexual slash demisexual slash two-spirit slash... There's a lot of slashes involved here. We're going to list all of those in the show notes. You guys can see it, and we'll talk about it directly. Just to start off, we'd like all of our guests to do a little bit of an introduction about themselves. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I am 42. I live in Dallas. I identify as two-spirit, which means that I own that I am not just female as my body would have you think, but I'm also male. And I have known that I'm more like a man trapped inside of a woman's body since I was like three years old. Um, And I didn't have the wording for it until like the last five years. But Like I told my mom at like three years old, I'm not a girl. And she was like, okay, baby, sure, whatever. Like my parents were just really accepting of like who their children told them they were like, okay, well then how do we deal with this? And I'm like, I don't like dresses and I want to wear pants. And like literally 
they never made me wear a dress. I guess I was probably like 30 and I was curious about trying to be more feminine. And so I did like this self journey, self exploration about like trying to be appearing more feminine, like my feminine friends who love all things girly. And I love my cleavage, but I don't like my titties. It's weird. It's strange. I've never liked them. They've been here for 31 years and I wish they were gone, but that's a whole nother story. And that would include money and a sugar daddy. So yeah, we're still searching for that. <laughs> um, Growing up, I dated boys and then men, age appropriate. And around 19, I fell in love with this bartender who was a woman. And my mom was like, I think you're bisexual. And I was like, I think I am too. <laughs> and so from there, it's just been, you know, I date who lights my fancy. And um, digging deeper, it's not just that I'm bisexual, but I'm pansexual because I'm attracted to people for who they are, not what body they're in or not what gender identity they go by and not what gender they were assigned at birth. Like, none of that matters. If we click and we like each other, we can make it work, including if you're a gay man and you swear for now you don't date women, I have dated gay men because, like, it's just if you like each other, you like each other, you figure it out. And there's toys to make up for what you weren't born with. So <laughs> I'm the mother to two young black men. They are 17 and 22. I have never kept secrets from them. They've known that I am a swinger since they were like seven. And they've always known I was polyamorous. Like I've just always been polyamorous. Like monogamy does not make sense to me. And the times that I've chosen to be monogamous, I feel like a wilting flower that's dying. And that's the best way I can explain how I feel when I cho chose to be monogamous. It just doesn't work for me. Um, I was raised by vanilla parents who were monogamous and married 48 years now. And I was grew up with <laughs> an unethical non-monogamous grandfather on one side of the family. <laughs> and then ethically non-monogamous grandparents on the other side of the family like there were always aunties and uncles everywhere that weren't really aunties and uncles that were grandma and grandpa's uh, other girlfriends of goals right um currently i have one local partner and a handful of long distance partners and i'm open to new connections but i prefer connections with friendship bases because I am so demisexual, which means I need, like, I might see you or we might get to know each other and I'm like, oh, they're hot. I would fuck them. But I'm never actually going to fuck you until we actually have a connection. There's just something about me that is like, I might want to fuck you, but I just won't actually act on it until there's a deeper connection than just, hey, you're hot. And then sometimes I go through these asexual phases where I might like you a whole lot, but my body just does not feel sexual and doesn't desire to do anything sexual. And it doesn't matter how much I love you, just I listen to my body and I choose not to betray my body's request. And, you know, you have to empower your own boundaries and communication around those boundaries. You just said a whole lot, and I was, like, nodding the whole time. And I was like, mm-hmm, 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 this is amazing. This is amazing. But no, but it's, it's a whole last journey. It's a great journey, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, so when would you say you realized that you were officially bisexual? Like, I know you said that you 
at 19, I was at 19, right? My memory is kind of shitty. But, yeah, so at 19, that's when you really yes. fell in love with this uh, female. Would you call them a female bartender? Maybe they're not. I don't want to, like, misgender yeah. anyone. She was a female stud. Well, then, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's when you really, really started exploring your connection to women at that time. Or were there other instances before where you could say, I was kind of feeling it, but didn't really know what it was? So my parents are unique so they're very monogamous but they never fell into like toxic monogamous traits so throughout my entire life my mother and father welcomed each other to be human and if one of them saw a beautiful person that they found desirable they just hey babe look at that woman she's hot she's my type of woman and my mom be like yeah she she looks good or my dad would see some dude and he'd be like, oh, that's the kind of guy you like. And it'd be another super dark, tall black man, which is what my dad looks like. That's my mom's type. And she'd be like, yeah, he's kind of handsome. Or nah, he's a little sweet looking. She likes rough looking men. <laughs> and so there was always this open conversation that it's okay to see beauty, admit that you desire that beauty based on superficial desires. But they were monogamous and they never betrayed that monogamous pact. But no one was ever punished for being human and seeing something they liked and then sharing about it. So I grew up like, man, that lady's pretty. Oh, that girl's pretty. Like, I just thought like they were just pretty. I didn't know that later I would discover this internal sexual desire too. like I would have friends who were girls that'd be like, what do you mean she's pretty? I'm just like look at her. She's pretty. Like, a pretty person is a pretty person. What the fuck? What do you mean? What do I mean she's pretty? Like, I didn't understand where they were coming from. But now hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think they were just like super heterosexual and were like, why would I say another girl's pretty? And I'm like, I don't know. It's how my parents raised me. It's okay to acknowledge someone's pretty, but it doesn't matter what sex they are. That's so interesting because I feel as if a lot of people perceive noticing someone else is attractive as cheating. So it's interesting that your parents kind of took that approach where it's kind of like, listen, it's okay to notice someone. As long as you're not doing shit you're not supposed to do, you're good. And so I think that's like very exciting in a positive way. Oh, yeah, they sound great so far because, yeah, like you said, because in some relationships, just a glance at someone else would be a problem. So the fact that you could even have a have a small discussion about it or whatever and just talk to each other about it, yeah, they sound great so far. I like them. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's very great they gave you that kind of freedom to explore attraction to other people. Like I said, I think that's very important. And I think it also helped to normalize whatever feelings you might have been feeling later on with because I mean I think a lot of people especially in a Caribbean background like Sham and I have is very much you have to be this way or no way and if you are not this way you can never tell us or anyone else otherwise we'll have to pretend that you died that's kind of where it's at I think it's wonderful like your parents kind of gave you that room to explore and even now just kind of accept everything and that you've raised your kids to also be as accepting and loving so I'm I'm all about it I don't know my parents had like like my mom had this like super level of fuck you and fuck everybody so like she still has that (laughs) but she's learned to be softer about it in her delivery um 
And my dad was like, and still is very optimistic, super nice. He wants to believe everyone is nice and be friends with everyone all the time. And so for them to come from the two different attitudes, like polar opposites, because my mom really just doesn't like people at all and doesn't care to be friendly. <laughs> like they talked about how different they were and how he wasn't accepted in so many places because he was a black man. She wasn't accepted in so many places because she was a white girl with this fuck you, fuck everybody attitude. And nobody wanted to like no one likes a woman or a person who's like, fuck you, fuck everybody, just an asshole all the time. So they were just like, be yourself and whatever it is accept others like don't judge people because they had enough of being judged themselves so like our house was a safe space for people who were like homosexual or transgender like it was just known that my parents accepted everyone regardless of what was going on and the rest of society not accepting someone so it was it was a blessing all right so that's kind of like your personal journey and your uh identity journey what would you say is your journey in regards to polyamory? Like, how did you discover it? How did you first manifest it? Because, well, when you say we will we'll expand on it more. But, yeah, what's your journey in polyamory, you, you think? I'm going to start in, like, my 20s and come up to now. And then I'm going to go back to pre-20s. So in my 20s, I was like, like, shit. Like, literally, I was, what's the word, objectifying them and, like, literally using them for sex. And like, I was not a nice person at like, like 18, to, like 22, like do yeah. what I say or I'm not going to fuck you. And I mean, at that time, I that felt like the only trade. thing, guys, right. I felt like the only thing guys wanted was pussy. So if you want this pussy, bitch, you're going to work for it. And you're going to do, when I say jump, you, you're going to say how high. That's just how it was. Um, and then I met this guy. We got engaged. He accepted me for everything. He was like, I love when you're a bitch. And I was like, the fuck is wrong with you? Nobody loves a woman who's a bitch. But he literally loved everything about me, bad or good. And then he passed away. And I was like mad at the world. And I was like, I'm never going to meet someone that accepts me for me and that loves me for who I am, good or bad. And then, like, I went to college, and a couple months into college, I met this guy, and here we are 24 years later, and he's wonderful, and he doesn't, like, judge me, and he doesn't try to make me be monogamous, and it's just, it's nice to be accepted, but it took me a long time to figure out, with other men, I just wanted people who accepted me, instead of people who were just trying to do whatever it took to get my pussy. Um, and so around 30, I kind of felt like lonely, like dating was like not working out. Like men would say they wanted to be in a non-monogamous relationship, but then they were still lying and hiding shit. And I'm like, but that's not okay. If you're going to be non-monogamous, you've got to be transparent with every person you're connected with that you're being non-monogamous. And I was fucking around online in a swingers group and they were like clowning me for having like real relationship swinger partners. And I was just like, fuck all of y'all. Nobody can judge me for how I choose to execute my relationships with my swinger partners. And this girl's like, hey, I think you're polyamorous. And I was like, well, what? What is that? And so I Googled it and I was like, that's exactly what I am. That's what my grandparents are. 
where has this word been to help me describe to other people who the fuck I am? Like, this is just how I was designed. And so going back, I can remember being in first grade and arguing with these white girls I went to school with and climbing to the top of the jungle gym and yelling at all of the first grade classes that nobody can tell us who we can and can't be friends with. Susie can't tell me that I can't be friends with Leanne and Leanne can't tell us that we can't be friends with Cindy because they don't like each other. We can all be friends and nobody's the boss of us. And so then when I was like 12, there was a dude that I started my first boyfriend and I found out he was dating this other girl with the same legal first name as me across town. And funny story, and this is going to sound super immature, but we were all honor students. He was Mr. Popular at both schools. He was like star quarterback. She she was a cheerleader. I wasn't a cheerleader, but I was literally one of the prettiest girls at my school. So I was like, I felt like it was a compliment that he was dating another beautiful, popular, smart chick across town. And I'm not popular, but I'm definitely fucking beautiful and smart. So I called her up and I was like, hey, we're dating the same dude. And she got all mad and shit. And I was like, whoa, 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 calm down. What are you mad for? She's like, well, he's lying to us. And I'm like, right. So we should call him on three way. Tell him not to lie to us, but I don't think you should break up with him. And I don't think I should break up with him because he spends like crazy money on us. And before I called you, were you not satisfied with your relationship with him? And she was like, yeah. I was like, well, if he can keep us both happy, what's to lose? She was like, you got a good point. Let's call him. And so we called him and we're just like, bro, no fucking lying in the future. When you date somebody else, tell them the whole truth. Or the next time we find out you fucking cheated, we are going to break up with you. (laughs) And so, like, to this day, he and I are still really good friends. But we found out, like, a year later that we were distant cousins and immediately broke up. (laughs) Because I just don't date family. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't don't think dating family is a thing. It shouldn't be. Um, So, you know, we may need to cut that whole part of the podcast because we need to sell the rights of that to Netflix. Because... That whole teen drama, I was, like, riveted the whole time. I was like, oh, wait, what? And then what happened? Oh, damn, you were dating at the same time? And then you called each other? Yeah, that was that whole story. I can see why you saved that for last, because that was great. And I like um, young you being, like, a good little negotiator. Just like, you know, no, 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 we're going to work this out together. So, right. wow, what a journey, wow. And I find, I like, I was like these stories where people are polyamorous before they know what polyamorous is. It's like you're just living a lifestyle. It's like, I don't even know what this is, but it's who I am. And then one day, you stumble upon the word, the community or something. It's like, oh, that, that's me. Kind of similar with me. You know, We were kind of swinger, and then we were doing the whole relationship thing outside. And didn't know there was a word for that until one day. Oh, there's a word for that. So, yeah. I, I, I respect this journey. But seriously, TV rights, copyright, copyright, monogamish, and intimacy. Yeah, for that story, we're going we're gonna to work it out. Netflix, holla at you, girl. I can work on a great contract that benefits both of us. Just say that both of us, I mean, us as an entity, Intimacy, Shamandai, and your corporation. Yeah. And also, we have first pick on who plays Intimacy in the movie. Just, just say. <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah, but no, that, that's really, really interesting. I mean, because I mean, my first polyamorous incident is also as a child, but I was a bit younger. My 
best friend at the time. I mean, because we've been best friends since uh, kindergarten. Yeah, kindergarten's the time. And uh, there was this boy in our class. You know, our parents were all friends. It was totally fine. But we both wanted him to be our boyfriend. So we decided to split the weeks because that makes sense. So certain days of the week, he was her boyfriend. Certain days, he was my boyfriend. And then, you know, on weekends, it was kind of like a free-for-all. You know, she lived closer, so they spent more time together. I was very upset about that because I hate being left out. FOMO is a real thing, even as a child. And I wasn't upset that he was with her. I was upset that he was with her and I wasn't there because she was also my best friend. You know what I mean? It was like a whole feeling where it's like, I've talked about this getting jealous only of friendships and not of romantic situations. So I was just kind of like, but she's my best friend and I'm not there. I hate both of you for being together without me. Mm Because she's my friend. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so yeah, there's no language for that. You just kind of let it ride. You don't really think there's anything important to it. So of course, you know, as an adult, I realize, right, polyamorous. That makes sense. This was my idea back before I even knew that gay people were a thing. So yes, definitely. Because this is even before I figured out that I was into women. Because I wasn't into her, and but I also kind of knew that she was a lesbian, which she is. So great. Hey, T, how you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, she was always a lesbian. I was always not straight, and he was always very straight. <laughs> we had a marriage pact. It did not work out. Because one, she's a lesbian. And two, he and I are still not married because he has a whole ass other relationship. Awkward. <laughs> Yeah, those childhood packs never get to work out, do they? Childhood packs do not work out the way they're supposed to. I'm just saying. Like, I feel like I should come up right now and be like, hey, if you are still single, we are both old now. Because 30 is like the oldest we ever thought we would ever be. Because our parents were 30. Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, they were a bit older than 30, but like we thought 30 was like really goddamn old. So now that we're both right. 30, like, let's get married. <laughs> let's get married. I don't think it's going to work out, but you never know. You never know. We never know what the future holds. It's 2020. It's Anything can happen. It's worth a conversation. It's worth a conversation. He also listens to the same state as me, so it's definitely great. Um, but we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot. How did you, not how, but like, when did you realize that you were not consistently sexually attracted to people? Probably the best way of putting it. Is that a nice way of putting that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good well, question. How, how would you put it, Ara, if not? So it's very complex, actually. And I'm still, like, so grateful that I've learned more about myself. Um, I guess I started wondering around 25, 26, 27. Um, I was in a relationship, a committed, happy relationship where we would go and date other girls together and have like this unfiltered fun we liked strippers so we would go date girls that worked at strip clubs like that's just what we were into at the time and um something happened and we kind of grew apart and I'm just purposely not saying specifically what happened because that other person's consent matters but we were struggling as a relationship through some things and long story short there was this chick at their job that liked them. She broke the law, went into their HR file to get their phone number, but it was my cell phone that they had put on their HR file because we lived together and had a child together. And he was like, 
I'll just put this number, you know, no big deal. And she calls my cell phone and he's in the front yard playing with our children. And she's like, hey, is such and such there? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But in my mind, I'm like, this is my cell phone. Shouldn't There shouldn't be anyone calling this phone except maybe his mom or my mom asking for him on my cell phone, right? Like there are reasons, but not some random bitch. Like I don't even know this chick. So I'm like, uh, well, he's busy right now. Um, may I take a message? And she's like, blah, blah, blah. My name is, for example, Cherry. I don't even remember the bitch's name, but we're going to say her name was Cherry. And I was calling to um, talk to him about when we were going to go out to dinner together. Can you give him my number and have him call me back? I was like, I sure can. Thank you for calling. <laughs> In my nicest white voice. And I hang up the phone. And I just look at him and he's like, he can tell something is fucking wrong, but he's playing with our children. So I'm not going to mess up daddy son time. So children go to bed. His friend was there. His friend's like, what's wrong? Do I need to stay here and buffer? Do y'all need a mediator? I've never seen you this upset. And I was like, you know what? I'm not really upset at him, but I feel disrespected by this woman because I don't think she understands the depth of what she did wrong, but I'm not even sure what she did wrong, but it's definitely some shit don't smell right. <laughs> so he was like, look, she's been flirting with me. I don't like her. So I hadn't told you about it. Cause like we were super transparent. So I'm like, why don't I know who this bitch is and why is she calling my cell phone? And he was like, honestly, I don't know how she got your number. I haven't given her my number. I don't understand. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So he's lost. I'm lost. We're confused. He work tells his bosses. The bosses check the security cameras. She went into the HR files. She's not supposed to. It was a whole big thing. She got fired. <laughs> but it was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back because we were already struggling with other stuff. So it wasn't that he actually did something wrong, but it was like a lesson that... I needed to be able to tell him, hey, if there's a bitch that's flirting with you, even if you're not reciprocating because you don't have any interest, you should come home and tell me in case she does something ruthless and calls my cell phone asking for you so that I'm not confused about who the fuck this bitch is. And then thinking, oh, this is the first time you've decided to lie to me about some bitch when actually he didn't. And he was like, right, this is got it in the future when there's someone flirting with me even if I don't like them I need to at least notify you I'm like for sure it's important but we had other struggles and um we were really really just it wasn't working and so after that that wasn't the reason but that was the same timing that we decided to part ways and we're just really good co-parents now so it was awesome while it lasted being non-monogamous with that person cherry calling um during that time when we were trying to work through this other unnamed relationship struggle i was working on me like mental health i was grieving i had a godson that had passed away as an infant who was only six months younger than our infant that we had at the time and so it was just it was a lot of pressure on our relationship to grieve and also celebrate this child that we still have, but think about this other child that we don't have anymore. Um, so I wasn't like feeling sexual. And I thought it was just grieving, 
right? I was like, oh, it's just because I'm, I'm depressed. I don't want to have sex. I don't feel sexual. Like, I'm sorry. I'm being a bad wife. Like, all this other internal pressure that I was putting on myself for not wanting to have sex and not feeling sexual. And then like, why couldn't I just get my shit together? And then was this like super late postpartum that I was unaware of? Like it was a lot of shit going on. (laughs) And so that was the beginning of the journey of realizing that I was like demisexual, asexual, but I still didn't have the terminology for it. And it took like 10 years before I learned this terminology. But during those 10 years, I kept getting counseling and I was like started learning about in stealing and and putting up my own boundaries and like saying them out loud to partners or people that I was dating who weren't necessarily partners yet. Like, hey, you're hot as fuck. We can make out all day. I just don't have any desire to have sex with you. But you are sexy. I would fuck you. And all of that like sounds confusing for someone who may not be asexual or demisexual, let alone doesn't even have the terminology themselves to be able to say, hey, I think you're asexual or demisexual. And then I didn't have the terminology. It was just a real confusing time. But I was growing and learning how to be more expressive about maybe I just want to give you head, but I don't actually want to have intercourse. And I can't explain what the difference is because... You know, to some people, it's one and the same. If you'll do one, you should do the other, right? But no, no, I'm here to say, if you only feel like doing one thing and your body is not feeling moved to do anything else, you don't fucking have to do anything else. And if anyone tries to pressure you or coerce you into it, they're not for you. And you chop their dicks off. Preach. Oh, wait, what? No. Hold on. I don't know about that. You took a turn oh, there. sorry. No, that was a bit no. violent. My bad, guys. My bad. I was a little bit <laughs> over eager on that one. But this is this is me coming from the perspective of a woman who's been tried, whose people have tried to coerce to do things all, a lot in the course of my life. And who has succumbed to coercion at certain points of my life, of course, just based on, you know, situations and feeling safe, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if you don't feel safe, you're more susceptible to coercion, in my opinion, because then it's kind of like you're in a space where you don't really have a choice, per se. Um, And you think the agreeing for fear that if you don't agree to some shit you don't want to do, they might beat your ass or they might kill you or they might lock you in a basement and make you their fucking sex bitch that no one knows where you are. Like there's so many dangers around female bodies being able to say no and why oh, for sure. female bodies choose not to say no for safety measures. And then you go home and you feel guilty to yourself for betraying yourself but also you were trying to keep yourself safe but like it's like you have to choose life over death but to live through it you chose to be sexually assaulted like it's real tricky yeah. and fucked up it's, it's real fucked up like it's some real fucked up trick shit and you know i'm not saying that you know not women don't experience things in a similar way of course they do anyone can experience this sort of thing However, I feel as if it presents a lot differently in women or people who identify as women or some variation on the more female side of the spectrum. Female referring to gender, not necessarily sex, right? Because when you present as male to a lot of people, there is the power exchange is very different. 
So even if you are being abused or assaulted sexually, it is there is a different component to it where I think a lot of men I have spoken to who have experienced this talk about not being mad enough to protect themselves. And the women are talking about it from a perspective where I didn't have another choice. It was either this or nothing. <laughs> so it's just, right. it's just very different. And um, it's got really deep and dark for a second, but I think it's also very important to highlight these important aspects of what presenting a certain way looks like. Right, right. So asexuality for you kind of manifests mm-hmm. in, I guess, varying degrees of what you want to do sexually. So it may not be sexual intercourse, but you, you, as you said, you may want to make out or you may want to do oral sex or whatever. So is that right. what it is? So it's not and outright, so, never anything sexual, but just like sometimes. it changes. Sometimes. Okay. So sometimes it's, hey, uh, and this language is awful and I don't use this language anymore, but I used to would say, hey, are you man enough to have a naked shower with me? But us not have sexual actions take place because there's something to be said for skin hunger and skin to skin interactions that do not have to be sexual, but can be intimate and loving, caring, but not sexual. And some people are, oh, no, that's not possible. Yeah, it is. And I need you to open your small mindedness around it and like just just let your brain expand for a moment. Um, and so I don't say that anymore because it's, it's not about being man enough. It's about everyone having their own autonomy and making agreements together with integrity. So, uh, yeah, I'm much better around my language and I don't quote unquote verbally challenge someone's manhood around my personal requests for no sexual contact or limited sexual contact, like whatever I'm asking for. All right, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. But like, to share a little more to help like people who maybe don't identify as asexual or demisexual, or also to like help people that maybe they are asexual and demisexual, but they just haven't heard these words before. Like the first time I heard asexual, it was a friend who identifies as asexual 24-7 all the time. And um, she is probably one of the most intelligent people on the earth. She's super young, but just an amazing brain person. And she described it to me and I was like, oh, sometimes I feel like that. And she was like, you don't have to feel like this all the time to still self-label yourself as asexual. And I was like, oh, I don't. Like she basically taught me about how gender is a spectrum and it's not linear. Like it's not oh, because I identify as asexual, I can't possibly be on the opposite end of this imaginary-ass line and be megasexual. No, about randomly 2% of my life, like every other year or so, I go through like this sometimes like two-week phase or sometimes it's like two months of wanting sex every day, multiple times a day with multiple people. And it's just like, like the Prince song, Insatiable. Like sometimes I literally feel insatiable and it has nothing to do with um, like some people blame their insatiableness on partners not being adequate enough for them sexually. It has nothing to do with anyone else. 
It's just my body just can't get enough sex. Then she was like, you know, you should start like um, reading up on different types of sexuality. And I was like, okay. So then I Googled it and I had seen the word demisexuality a couple times, like in random Facebook conversations, but I was like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And it didn't seem like anything that remotely resonated with me. So I never really paid that much attention to it until I like went down the rabbit hole hole of Googling different types of sexualities. And I was like, wow, there's a lot here. And some of it I did identify with. Um, and so I, I would always tell people, like, I don't like to have sex right away. Like, for instance, I do identify as a gin sexual, but that doesn't mean the first time I get to hug gin that I'm going to fuck her. Like, it's for me, it's going to take a little bit of time <laughs> before I actually want to have sex with her. I mean, also, you have to buy me wine first. So I really don't know why you're trying to just dive into my vagina immediately without some lubrication. There you go. I'm with it. But like my lubrication process may be like six months and you'll be like dripping wet. Like, bitch, when are you going to finally just jump in there? And like, I can't explain it. It's not it's not like, oh, I wait six months specifically. It's not a time thing because, you know, I listen to my body and my connections with each person individually so it's not like, oh, you got to date me for six months before I even think about fucking you. It's not that. Like, it's not one of those archaic kind of policies, you know. <laughs> um, It's just I listen to the individual connections that I have with people. And I try to go with the flow. And there's been a less than a handful of times, three that I can think of right now, times that I, like, actually had sex on the first date. And it was great, but I rarely feel like that. I rarely feel led to do that. And so typically it's easier because of the pressure from men to just tell them, hey, I I don't, I'm not going to have sex with you for at least six months, just so you know, because like, I don't want that pressure there. So I'd rather tell them that I'm not. And then if I change my mind, it's just a welcome surprise than not to say it. For example, I love sex a lot. I don't like blowjobs. I don't. And that's from like a history of men trying to force me to give them blowjobs without having a conversation with me or asking me if that was what I was into or wanted to do. And that whole putting their hand on my head, you will fuck up everything. I, you will never see my body naked ever again. Like, don't do it. So for the last 15 years, meet a guy, find out they're sexually interested. Hey, before you waste your fucking time, you should know I don't give blowjobs. Sit with that. Come back to me. If you're still interested, great. If you're not, no big deal. But I want you to know now your penis is not going to be in my fucking mouth. But then when I mm-hmm. like feel moved to give head, it's just a surprise, right? <laughs> so it's I don't know. a box. Oh, sorry. Wrong moment. Wrong moment. Definitely the wrong moment. Uh, so what I'm learning here is that dating intimacy is just full of surprises because you never know what you're going to get. Because you're just like, oh, there's no sex coming for a while. But then when it comes, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't expect it. This is the best thing ever. It's the Sometimes. best kind of surprise. Yeah. 
No, it's really, really dope, though, that you you were upfront. I mean, of course, maintaining boundaries is very important. So the fact that you were upfront about these boundaries and just saying, hey, this is what's happening. This is what's not happening. If I change my mind, great. But don't try to change my mind because then I might just Lorraine and Bob at you. That's totally cool. I'm also feeling slightly bloodthirsty today. I was about Sorry, to say, guys. you're on some, you're on a weird kick <laughs> today. On, on a weird kick today. Just, just, just no fine. dick is safe. No dick is okay. safe. Glad I'm not in the same room right now. <laughs> So for transparency, no, I am not into Lorena Bobbitt, but as a yeah. child, I thought that was the coolest thing because okay. she, she, like, like in my mind, he shouldn't have fucked her over. Like if you, if, if you fuck over a bitch and she ends up being crazy and cut your dick off, don't, don't fuck over a bitch. Then you don't have to worry about that. Right. Hello. <laughs> Makes sense. Just saying, what? just clarifying right. that for everyone else involved. Um, right. Yeah, no, I mean, boundaries are also very important. So, you know, so great. So great. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. So I, I wanted to ask you a question that might seem silly, but I feel it's kind of relevant. So, of course, we talked to the Rose where they're aromantic, but not asexual. So are you asexual and aromantic or do you like the romanticism? part right so v is like technically queer romantic i think that's how you pronounce that i'll also put the link to that picture again in the show notes for that but um yeah so how v described it to us was pretty much like uh they can objectively see romance and they like romantic movies and tv shows and music etc but they don't feel those what we would call romantic feelings for other partners. It doesn't mean they don't have strong, intimate connections with people, but how we perceive romance in this world is not something that they feel. Do you have similar feelings about romance? I mean, they're, they're not asexual. They're just aromantic. And so I was wondering if it was the same thing for you where you were asexual slash demisexual, but not aromantic? Um, so transparency, I am not sure that I have studied a romanticism enough to be able to answer that question well, but I think of myself as romantic and I'm not, um, I'm not a person that requires my partners to be romantic. And actually, I find it kind of sad when someone feels like they can't have a successful relationship without demanding having a partner who's romantic, because that's not fair. Like, I'm going to need them to do some self-work and grow a little bit, but whatever. Um, So I think I'm romantic based on what I've been taught is romanticism. Um, But I don't require it in my partners. I appreciate it, but it's not required. And so I am courting some people who I know identify as aromantic and or asexual and or demisexual. Like, however you identify your um, relationship orientations, that doesn't change my interest in a person. Those don't really matter to me. Yes, I'd like to know so I can move accordingly and not make you feel uncomfortable. But there's no like checklist here that you have to like meet these uh desires. Like I like you. I like you. Doesn't matter. Your labels literally don't matter to me at all. As long as you're not a fucking Nazi, we're cool, basically. And that's very important, guys. As long as you're not a fucking Nazi, it's all cool. The most important part is not a Nazi. 
That just, seems reasonable to me. Just repeating that out loud for everyone to hear it, <laughs> right? Um, so we've talked about you being open to making connections in the beginning. Um, so ju- just to clarify, so you're open to maybe future romantic connections, but you want to start off as friends, correct? Yes, okay. absolutely. I feel strongly about, I'm also a sex surrogate. And that requires constantly studying relationship styles and humans and the way that our brains work and the way that our relationshiping works and the ways that it doesn't work and how to help someone figure out how to make it work when they feel like they just can never have a successful relationship, which usually means they just need to learn how to relationship with themselves better and then relationship with others kind of comes naturally um so as a sex surrogate and in my personal life I find relationships struggle far more even if they're successful they struggle far more I mean greater if the two people in one said relationship are not friends on some level like literally so for me based on my knowledge of personal experiences and other experiences I've witnessed, I'm just not going to waste my fucking time. If we can't be friends, I don't want to have a struggling relationship with you because it lacks friendship. Just not here for it. I guess maybe it's sort of kind of lazy of me, but I know what I like and know what I don't like. I don't like to struggle. I like relationships that kind of cruise and feel mostly fun, but realistically every relationship has challenges. It's just, how you handle those challenges. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I don't think it's lazy because even if you're friends first, you you could still have your own set of challenges. You just just don't want a certain type of challenge. So, yeah, it still makes sense to me. Oh, okay. So I have another question for you related to your poly slash non-monogamous experience. Uh, You started (laughs) out swinging, as you said, before you really progressed into polyamory. So we progressed, meaning, you know, identify from one part of non-monogamy to another part of non-monogamy, because swinging is also a part of non-monogamy in general. We guys know this stuff. I just like to clarify my things. Um, so what kind of poly would you say you practice? And kind of poly referring to, like, the big things we talk about these days. So it's like kitchen table poly, hierarchical, egalitarian, all these big, crazy words that people use. And anarchy. Relationship anarchy, yeah. He just likes the word anarchy, yes. (laughs) But uh, what type of poly relationship, according to those labels, do you think you practice? As we know, my my life is non-conventional. So what I'm about to say will definitely ruffle some people's feathers. I've been actively polyamorous since I was 12 years old. And even my second boyfriend, he wanted me to exclusively and only date him. And I was like, no fucking no. And if you keep asking me, I'm not going to fucking date you. And then his bitch ass cheated on me with some fucking random chick. So I dropped him because he was clearly a zero and I deserve heroes or whatever. Um, So I knew about swinging when I was 12 because I found my grandmother's photo album and blackmailed her into telling me what the fuck this photo album was. Or if she didn't tell me, I was going to tell mom. (laughs) And nobody wanted mom to know. And I knew that grandmother wouldn't want mom to know. So it was just my way of 
having grandmother describe what this risque photo album was. So she explained like swinger etiquette and like all the things. So I couldn't wait to be 18 and go to a swinger party. So I wasn't actually a swinger until after I turned 18. Um, but I studied it from 12 to 18, like greatly in great detail. So, I just want to say this, this one quick thing. I want to go to like a family reunion of yours or something one day because your whole family just sounds like such fun. It's like, oh, you got the swingers over here. You got your parents who were like super, you know, like open with their feelings and, you know, communicative. So like, I just, I just feel like a family reunion of yours would just be great. But yeah, sorry, continue. Sadly, it would not be. My grandparents don't really socialize with the rest of the family because besides the swingers, like when they were younger, they were alcoholics. They smoked cigarettes, which they don't do these things now. And they just were generally not nice people back then. So people don't really fuck with my grandparents, but I love my grandparents. They're much better people now. (laughs) They've done the work. And so they're not really, yeah, very active. Okay, fair enough. Well, you love them, they love you. That's all important. <laughs> right, right. But um, you you would still have fun at our family reunions because our food is yeah worth fighting well, for. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the best part. That's the most important yeah. part. Guys, don't get me excited talking about food. Okay, answer the question. Goddamn oh, it. The munchies I, are the munchies you are. You mentioned psyched. food and I got hungry. So all please right. continue with your other question part that does not involve food. My bad. My bad. We wrap this up okay. Yes, swinging 18. You couldn't wait so, till 18. I didn't actually go to a swinger party until I was 19. And I was in college and I was dating a guy who was 30 at the time. Um, he, one of the guys I was dating, I was dating multiple people then. And, um, he was like, what do you want for your birthday? I was like, you're not going to like what I want for my birthday. He was like, baby girl, all the work I did, to get with you, I'm telling you, whatever you want for your fucking birthday, I'm going to make it happen. Now, the backstory was he walked me to and from class and to the cafeteria every day for like three weeks. And I was just like, not fucking interested in dating anyone. Like, I don't know why you're walking me to and from lunch. I'm not interested. And he was like, I just want to know you. I just want to. He was persistent, but not pushy. He didn't stalk me because... I had been stalked before. And so over time, he did win me over because he respected my boundaries. But his consistency about not like giving up without pushing my boundaries was super sexy. Um, And so I was like, well, for my birthday, I want to have sex with you and your best friend. And I felt like saying that out loud was going to like literally be the end of our relationship. Because like what guy is cool with his girl wanting to fuck his best friend. Like, it's not common. And he was like, word, let me call him right now and see if he's available. Okay. Come to find out this was a thing they did because they were swingers, but I didn't know at the time he was a swinger. Surprise. I just love that how immediate he was just like, oh, yeah, what? Uh, let me go call him right now. Right. Really, you know, so- they are probably planning for you this whole time. Who knows? Nah, like his best friend got there and he was like, I'm literally shocked. I didn't think you liked me. So apparently he had been like mildly trying to flirt with me, but not like be disrespectful. And apparently I like totally missed all the cues. So he thought I didn't like him. I had no idea he likes me. (laughs) It was a whole thing. (laughs) So we had this great all night birthday party where 
basically they just catered to me and that was the beginning of me being a dom but not knowing what doming was really it was excellent that's Ooh. that's that's all I can say. It was excellent. That, that sounds like a hell of a party. <laughs> and and now we're that. going into kink. Okay, this is getting even better and better. So then the next morning, um, he was like, I have to go to work for a couple of hours. I'm going to leave you some money on the counter so that you can order, like, pizza or whatever. And his best friend had to go back two hours to where he lived to go to work. So I wake up. I go in the kitchen. And there's, like... $300 on the counter. I'm like, I don't need $300 fucking pizza. So then there's like car keys and a note that says, here are the keys to my Cadillac in the garage. If you need to go to town and go shopping, buy yourself something for your birthday. Oh, and my girlfriend's going to call you. And it threw me for a loop because I didn't know he had a girlfriend. And I was like, it's never good when you don't know about their girlfriend. It's usually some shady shit, right? Shit is not going to go good. So the phone rings and I'm like, should I answer it? He said to answer it in the note. He said, she's going to call me. So I answer the phone, but I'm so scared. Mind you, I'm 19. I'm a freshman in college. I'm four hours away from home. Like if shit goes awry, if this bitch comes over and beats my ass, like what the fuck I'm going to do. So I answer the phone and she's like, Hey, happy birthday. And I'm like, thanks. Like I'm super like scared, short answers, one word replies. Like I don't want to, I don't know this bitch. I don't know what's about to happen. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And she was like, did you enjoy your birthday last night? Now my mind is blown because that means he told her what my birthday was. So I'm like, yeah, it was good. So she's like, well, I told him to leave you some extra money and the car keys to my car so that you could go drive around town and buy yourself something for your birthday. And then I'm starting to be like, Okay, so she's not mad. She's not going to come beat my ass. This is not going to turn into a bad thing. But now I'm furious because he didn't tell me about her before now. Like, this part is not okay. The the lack of transparency is a real fucking problem. So get off the phone with her. Immediately call him at work. And I'm like, when is your lunch break? And he's like, in about an hour. I was like, I'll see you at your job for your lunch break. I'll be in the parking lot. He was like, okay. He's thinking we're going to have lunch together. So he comes out and I was like, I'm so fucking furious. And he's like, what happened? What did she do? I'm like, she didn't do shit. But why the fuck am I just now finding about your girlfriend the night after I just fucked you and your best friend? Like, this is some shit I should have known. The first day you walked me to and from the cafeteria, you should have been like, I have a girlfriend. And he was like, okay, so we have a relationship where we date other people. She advised me not to tell you up front. This is just how we do it because he was having a hard time finding women who would believe that his girlfriend wanted him to date other people. And I'm like, that's not the way to do that. This creates more distrust now than if you had just told me in the beginning and be like, oh, well, here, let me call her and you talk to her. So long well, so short, I got over it and it was eye opening. And I called my grandma and I was like, hey, I'm dating this dude. And it turns out his wife is a swinger. And like, she was like, oh, well, that's wonderful, baby. And I'm like, no, but he lied to me, grandma. And she's like, well, you know, everybody has their own way. And I'm thinking, you're just one of those random, nice white ladies that just, it doesn't matter. Just be nice. Okay, bye, grandma. <laughs> so for a long time, we remained friends and they like, they're married and they have a kid and 
at some point he and I just kind of grew out of our relationship. At some point before we grew out of our relationship, I introduced him to my girlfriend and him and her started growing a thing. And it was wonderful to get to like just sit back in a chair and watch them have sex. It was beautiful, fucking beautiful. And so he was like, I tell people he was my sex guru because he taught me so many different things that I'm not sure how I would have learned them at that early of an age. It probably would have taken me another five or 10 years to organically come across these things. So once again, mm-hmm. another great story with many twists and turns. Uh, as soon as one came, another one just came around the corner again. And I'm just there just like at the edge of my seat, you know, except that I'm actually laid back. But, you know, you know, figuratively at the edge of my seat for every like twist and turn. Again, you need to sell all these rights. You need to write a book. You need to do something with all of this. I am writing a book. I can't wait to read it. You guys heard it here first. We're going to promote the book when it comes out. I read books, so I'm going to read it and tell you guys all about it. Right? I'm a book nerd. I love it. Okay. So let's see. Is there anything else that I can think of to ask you overall? Hmm. That was Polly you practice. You said you've had this really awkward experience with your introduction to polyamory. So would you say that you're solo poly right now? Like just like currently in this moment? Solo poly is the title that fits the most, but it's kind of like I describe like sexuality. It's not linear. It's not one thing or the other. I am a relationship anarchist and I am polyamorous. I am both. And there are polyamorous people that will fight you for saying that you're also a relationship anarchist. And there are relationship anarchists who will fight you for saying you're polyamorous at the same time. That doesn't make sense. Right. Right. It's some stupid shit. I also liked kitchen table poly, but my first quote unquote long-term metamor fucking hated me. Yikes. When a meta hates you, that's kind of weird, right? Awkward. Well, I don't, I don't want to say weird, but, like, definitely awkward when a meta hates you. Right. It was heartbreaking for me because, in my mind, she didn't respect or understand all the hard work that I did to coach her husband to be a better husband to her while she's over here being an awful fucking wife and an awful metamorph. Like, bitch, you don't deserve the love that I've taught him to give you right listen i (laughs) you know that's going to be a whole separate competition between you and i about the way women elevate men but you know what that's fine so (laughs) right now you're a solo poly relationship anarchist just desperately seeking susan but not really desperately just kind of you know willing to get to know people build connections etc so where can people find you if they want to build connections with you if they want to eventually get to the point where they can motorboat your titties like me i am already following you know the socials but i just want to clarify where other so you're people... asking if the dms are open yeah yeah okay are the dms open sure i'm trying to be nice about it but sure sham are the dms open so the dms are open please do not send me dick pics um, titty pics are welcome, dick pics are not. Chest pics, nipple pics, always welcome. Shoulders, arms, I'm into that kind of shit. 
do not send me dick pics because you won't like my response. I will send it back to you and you will ball up in a corner and cry when I'm done talking to you about non-consensual dick pics being sent. <laughs> um, but otherwise, my DMs are, are definitely always open. Um, you can find me on social medias at Polly Free Love. And that's on Facebook, Snapchat, IG, uh, Twitter, uh, Tumblr. There's so many. Fuck. Uh, what's that new one? TikTok? Yeah. I'm so it's on all not the everywhere. I'm everywhere. I'm accessible. It's good to know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Facebook, Snapchat, IG, TikTok. You have a Marco Polo, too. I just heard about Marco Polo this week. I have no idea what it is, so I'm just asking you because I don't know what it is. Uh, Marco what? Polo, I believe, is every polyamorous best friend because it allows you to send a video message to every partner you have or every potential partner you have, your best friends, your family members. I, I just think it's the best tool ever. So the reason I think it's the best tool is because you're leaving a message. So it's not like a phone call where people might feel pressured to answer the phone, even though it might not be a good time for them to have a phone conversation. Where with Marco Polo, you check the fucking message when it's a good time for you to check the goddamn message. And then you send a reply message when it's good for you to send a reply message. So I love Marco Polo. And Jen, you can send me a message. It'd be great. So I'm going to download Marco Polo right now. Sham, the rest of the episode's up to you. Uh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're not looking into Marco Polo. So I think that's it. Is there anything else we need to ask? We, we know where to slide into our DMs. Is there, is there anything you want to like point people to? Anything that you've done? I mean, before COVID, I had a lot of appearances for 2020 and i was so excited now i was going to be presenting at black poly pride um another one bites the dust i was going to be presenting at black poly pride but as we know because of covid that was canceled this past june i poly dallas i am one of the staff volunteers that will be in november so yeah i'm excited about it especially because the reschedule just happens to be my birthday weekend so I'm I'm just like super stoked about it. I'm hoping we don't have to like people just wear your fucking mask and stay home if you're not essential and do what you need to do so we can stop being grounded at home. Okay? Okay. Listen, I'm also super sad that um Black Poly Pride is trying to have a retreat in the fall that's probably not gonna happen now because of all the shit that's going on. I'm like I'm a touch starved motherfucker. Here I am looking forward to rubbing on some beautiful people. And you're kind of like, no, COVID rates are going to go up. Suck yourself. But I'm like, I hate you too. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. So I wish I had the whole like, you know, oh, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be here because I like traveling. I like meeting other people that don't live in Dallas, Texas. And I feel like traveling gives them an opportunity to like, you know, go have a breakfast with me i don't say drink because i'm not a drinker but if you choose to get a mimosa at breakfast that's fine too so like literally you know people be like oh let's have a drink i'm like "Mm, let's go have some food and if you choose to drink while you're eating that's great but i don't really drink maybe like one to three times a year but um, just to clarify there are people who get one mimosa at brunch who are those people i don't know them oh i don't fucking know i mean i don't drink i i don't know aren't mimosas supposed to be bottomless okay so here's the thing i discovered right this is a sidebar sorry guys you're just gonna have to deal with it i only go to brunch spots that do bottomless mimosas 
but there are apparently burnt spots that don't do bottomless. You have to buy them individually from anywhere between 4 to $12 a glass. Yeah, depending on what city you're in, what state you're in, what restaurant you go to, all that shit. Those things are important for you guys to know. If you were inviting Jen... If you are inviting Jen to brunch, if the shit is not bottomless, I will not show up. I feel like we should boycott places that don't have bottomless mimosas. Thank and you. I don't, like, just like G-code. What the yeah. fuck are y'all doing? Yeah, and this injustice. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm going I'm to I'm get real with it. I used to be a bartender and a waitress at a bar. Champagne and orange juice is really fucking cheap in bulk, so I don't what exactly i don't even fucking understand it but you know what guys we're not gonna go there we're gonna thank intimacy for this amazing conversation and i feel as if we need to bring intimacy back for kink i think she kind of hinted at some kinky shit and i was like i want to be about that i'm here for it and uh my kink profile on fit life is in depth for sure it's a lot to read. But yeah, we'll save that for another episode. Yes. Okay, of course, like I said, once again, we want to thank Intimacy for showing up and showing out. You guys could not see that beautiful face, but I could. And you should be jealous. So jealous right now. Just saying. Thank you for, like, having me on. And I want to say thank you to our future listeners who will be hearing this. It's been wonderful to, like talk about my life with people who don't judge and people who accept me for me so I, I really appreciate that like it's it's a gift to be around people like you and sham that just don't judge people right and we appreciate you sharing that very fascinating very great listen yeah no it was fantastic you were fantastic um so once again like i said Thank you. You guys can find Intimacy. The links are going to be in our show notes as per usual. So uh, until next time. And once again, I want to thank our illustrious guest, Intimacy, for just an amazing interview. I mean, you know, I don't want to get too too congratulatory, but, you know, once again, we just, we just do such wonderful interviews with such wonderful guests. How do we do it? I don't know. It's mostly Jen. Ain't that right? Hey, it is not mostly me. It is also partly you. And we are definitely going to bring intimacy back for a conversation about kink. Because they were just oh, dropping yeah. some kink conversation in there last minute. I was like, bitch, you want to tell me you want to talk about kink? So we're bringing intimacy back to talk about kink um, sometime in this year. I don't want to set any kind of date or time. But uh, we're bringing intimacy and Zach back to talk about kink. So we're super excited about that. And we will let you guys know, of course, as soon as it comes out. As you may know, we are still looking for people to be featured on the podcast because we're looking at highlighting a lot of different relationships and aspects. So right now, I am looking, and I say I, as in Jen, not because I want to be a part of that, but because I want to talk to people. So I'm looking for non-monogamous people of color who are in triads. So people of color, meaning Black people, Latinx people. Asian people, Native American people, it could go on. But we're looking for triads to be featured on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So if you were interested in being on Monogamish Pod, I want you to reach out to us at Monogamish Pod on Twitter and Instagram and also monogamishpod at gmail.com. So yeah. you guys can do that. You can reach out to us there. 
if you were in a tribe, we really want to talk to you. If you were a swinger, also, we really want to talk to you, too. But that, that's like another, like a, a future yeah. thing. But triads first. not one first. or the other. We want both. Yeah. <laughs> we want both. But, like, triads first. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at monogamishpod. Um, email monogamishpod at gmail.com. Sham, is, where else can they find us? Like, what can the people look for us at? I mean, monogamishpod.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you know, rate us, rate, review, and subscribe, five stars, all that fun stuff. Um, Anchor. Of course, anchor. Yeah, yeah, anchor.fm. That's where we host .fm, our podcast and um, Patreon. So you guys want to support the yes. podcast? We really, really want to grow this podcast to be like the best thing since sliced bread. Y'all know that saying. Y'all know what we're talking about. We want to be the best thing since sliced bread. So yeah, we want it to be so great. People stop saying the best thing since sliced bread. They're gonna start saying the best thing since monogamous pod. Will we get there? <laughs> I mean, hey, we're that's it. So we want you guys to reach out to us at patreon.com slash monogamishpod. Uh, we post a lot of like special, super secret content there. You guys can find us there. Um, we started at $3 a month for Patreon. You can also support us on Anchor. Um, you can send us a support donation there directly through Anchor. Of course, all these links are, as always, in our show notes. Is there anything shit? Like, am I forgetting something? I feel like I'm forgetting something all the time. No, I think we covered it this time. Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. Not, you know. Oh, we'll yeah. We'll find out on Twitter. SoundCloud. Right. SoundCloud. We upload these episodes onto SoundCloud. So right now we have the last three episodes. Did yeah, I say about three? three can fit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three can fit. So this episode will be up the, the later the same day or the day after the episode comes out. Because, but out. That's what we do. I don't know what that was. I said, but now things are, things are, things are uncomfortable. So much happening. So many words <laughs> just coming out of her mouth. So many words coming out and of my not mouth in control today. Of. Not in control at all. But yeah, that's really where I am at on everything. Um, I just really, really want you guys to listen to this conversation about asexuality and polyamory with intimacy and feel something good from it, especially like, listening to the conversation that we had previously with Vanilla Rose about aromaticism. Yeah. And I mean, just put them together. That's yeah. a perfect little one-two punch. Just aromaticism. Pew, pew. Asexuality. Pew, pew, just pew. Kind of compare and contrast, you know? Make notes. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we did, and that's what we want to keep doing. We're going to keep having interesting conversations for season two. We think. We we're think they're interesting for. conversations. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Um, so once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening yeah. to the shit that we have to say. Like we are all a part of it. And once again, big up to allplayground.net for being our yeah. sponsor. Split out. We love them. They're our sponsor. They're awesome. So happy to be part of the community. So happy to be part of the community. We want you guys to join the community also. So like again, don't forget to sign up on allplayground.net. And I'm Jen. Oh, I'm Sham. And, and we're, we're monogamous. monogamous. I don't know. I'm, I don't, no, it sounds like I'm pacing correctly on my side, but like on your side, it also sounds like shit. So I don't know. <laughs>